Hey guys, welcome to Emerald Coast Baseball Academy's YouTube channel slash podcast. Here with Jared Bowser, all the way from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Jared's a little small. If you can't tell, he doesn't really work out very much. He gets a little heated when you uh, mention that kind of stuff. So it's a running little joke between us uh, pitchers and the team from the uh, Santa Fe Fuego 2013. Uh, congratulations to the uh, Santa Fe Fuego 2014. Um, excited they won the Pecos League Championship. Um, excited for them. I'm going to try to see if I can get our guy, Bill Moore, on the podcast. I don't see him being technologically savvy enough to get him exactly, you know, in front of a computer webcam and see what we can do. But, uh, Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, well, Jared, I wanted to get you on the show because you are one of the, the um, a very exciting guy to be around, especially in pitching. You're very disciplined. Um, like I said before, you don't work out. You just wear small shirts. And uh, and so I wanted to bring people on and, and, and really go in and, and di you know divulge into your your playing history and, and, and where you came from and what really got you into pitching. Well, um, when I started out, I was I was uh, when I really started out was in high school when I really started picking it up and um, getting disciplined and wanting to learn every day and get better every day. Um, high school was a big step for me. They uh, you know, they really lit fire up under me and got me, got me to where I am today, you know. But um, some hardships I went through throughout college, uh, my, my mechanics weren't sound going into junior college, and they, they kind of, uh, they fixed me up to where I'm getting towards the plate as quickly as possible and controlling the chaos. Con controlled chaos. Yeah, you and I have talked about that before. So you were a guy, <clears throat> maybe in high school, that might have been a little, doing a little bit too much arm um, and not utilizing your strength, your body mass. I mean, obviously you weren't as big as you are now. Um, you're, wh what do you, what are your, uh, you know, what are you weighing in on your NFL combine today? <laughs> I'm about, I'm about one ninety seven. One ninety seven and what? Six foot? Uh, about six one, six two. Six one six two. Okay, <clears throat> so you're one of the things that really help you generate power. And and when I, you know, I had seen you some days, and and unfortunately the league that we were in, we didn't have confirmation on velocity. But some days I had seen you throw, and I swear you were ninety five, um, ninety four, ninety five. You would, and even to this day, you still wouldn't buy into it. I'd like to see you um, actually throw without the elevation one time, just to see what would happen. Because when I left elevation and went to more of a sea level. Um, kind of thing. I actually saw a lot more movement. I saw it easier to control the ball, and I saw the ball just explode out of my hand. So, in and even where I live here in, in the Panhandle of Florida, I would come back, and I wouldn't necessarily feel like I was throwing harder because even here, there's some issues you run into humidity and heat, and it almost slows the ball down. Also, but I could definitely tell that one, it was easier to spin the ball, you know, due to the elevation difference, and I could hold it. And the, one of the things that you and I had always talked about, especially with you being a splitter guy um, and me being a you know a multi-pitch guy, is is grip of the ball. And I could always tell, like even being in New Mexico, some days you just get a baseball, and and I, I don't know if I talked to you or one of the other guys on the team, but we were saying I couldn't even hold the ball. You know, it was uh you know you'd go to your 
you lick the finger, you go to the ball, that'd be good for maybe, what, quarter of a second, and then next thing you know, the, the ball's slick again, and, you know, it would just, it would just confuse you. So did that uh, affect you, you being a splitter guy? Could you, could you feel like the environment would affect you a lot sometimes with, with your – Well, um, I've been, I've been uh, throughout the country on you know, playing baseball. Uh, scholarships and um, different different states and what what have you. I, I noticed in Oklahoma, my splitter was devastating compared to what it was here with the, with the smaller team, um, the elevation. Uh, sometimes my splitter wouldn't wouldn't want to bite on some days. Yeah, but I, I did notice that the elevation did have a lot to do with with the bite on all my all, all my pitches. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's. I, I'll agree with you on that one. It's. I'm being a cutter guy, a cutter slider guy. I, I felt like some days I could come out, and you know, even the slightest little wind would make a cutter hang a little bit, or and then try to go to slider, and maybe it would break too early, or you know, wouldn't. But uh, you know, you, it it just seemed like there was a lot of uh, external factors that were were against you there. Okay. And and so, even though you don't believe you're a '94, '95 guy at, at the time. Um, can you take me through your mental process on your mechanics and 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 what you're trying to do as far as now? Are you a stretch or wind up guy still? Which one do you stretch? I stretch only. First day of college. So when you when you lock into the mound or the stretch, do you feel like you almost preload your back knee, your 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 drive side, um, to to try to try to make sure you optimize your drive? Yeah, I, I like to. Uh, when I'm coming set, I like to feel a little tension in my back leg, so that way I know it's fully loaded and ready to roll forward. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I, I noticed that you and I kind of did the same. You were a little bit more drastic than I was. You would come set a little bit wider. Um, is there any reason why you would come set wider on that? Um, no, not so much. I just didn't. I just didn't want to to uh, recoil too much. So I didn't want to come back so much as I was as I was uh, getting that that knee lift. Mm -hmm. I would want to when I come set, I feel I feel the drive in my back leg already. So by the time I'm I'm uh, bringing my knee up, I'm already coming forward. Okay. It's already shifting forward. Yeah. And I'm at my my peak with my knee. My all my weight is shifted towards the plate already. Yeah. That's, that's getting me going as violently as possible. Yeah. And just keeping it keeping it going all in one direction. Yeah, I agree. So so when you are there's a, a couple terminologies that I like to use, but I wanted to hear what, what your school thought was. You're you're definitely a hips down the mound, down angle kind of kind of guy. What exactly is your thought process when you're on the mound? And I and I'll compare it to what I think about um, when I'm when I'm going down the mound, when it's go time, you know, when it's exploding. Is there a direction that you feel or is there anything that you say in your head that makes it easier? Yeah, well, a lot of guys think it's it's an east to west movement, but I think of it as north to south because I'm wanting, or south to north, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm loading up back, and I'm bringing all that weight forward with my like my chest is opening up so that my I can get that external rotation. Yeah, um, a lot of guys, a lot of guys are thinking uh, the coil 
is good because they're gonna they're swinging open and that's where the power is coming from. I don't know exactly what their thought process is, but I like to get that that back hip pointing straight at my catcher's glove, and all my weight just just transfers transfers. Yeah. yeah, transfers. Which, which so transfers kind of the word you're looking for right there. Because I'm a I'm a guy where that's a little bit different. I am like you're saying. Instead of being coming straight at my target, I actually almost like a drift car when it comes sideways, and as far as I can, as quickly as I can, and then unleash that fury by by rotating. What I actually think about, um, which is, is something uh, maybe we haven't talked about, is I like to take I like to take a seat on the mound where when I'm going down to get my hips to go from the high point on the mound down the mound, if I think about sitting down on the mound, I'll actually go a nice long stride, get my hips low, and try to get my hips lower than when they started to help utilize the explosiveness of that backside. Then I do that as I'm going down the mound, and then I unload the coil and release everything from the, and I really try to think from feet to, to head to get my, my spinal rotation speed as fast as it can in order to unload on the ball, which is kind of like the same thing we're talking about, but it's I always like to talk to people about, because everybody uses different terminology, and it's really what works for you in that particular moment. Mm -hmm. I agree, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, it's just my favorite word to use in, in pitching is explosive. Yeah, exactly. Explosive. And I was watching... Um, David Price the other day, and his his uh, his front leg action when he plants is so violent that when he when he plants you see it stick, but then you see the shake the shake in his knee from just exploding from, from stabilizing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a go stop. So yeah, that brings me to another point that I really like it. You and I are very similar in that we, um, I like to create, if, if my hips were at this point right here, I like to create an A-frame right here um, to where my front side is bracing against the power. Because you have to stop your hips in order to make the upper half go forward. Um, almost like you can, you can see my little logo right here. That's one of the firm front side there. That's one of the reasons why I put it on there. Um, for, for, for that is using it as a teaching tool. But yeah, that's one of the big things that I feel like. It, it, if you have a bent front knee or a weak front side on your front leg, then you just push forward that you're not going to maximize the power uh, of you throwing the ball. Right, right. I heard, I heard something the other day. Um, you can only go as fast as you can stop. Yeah. So it, it all has to do with those those stabilizing muscles and those decelerators. Like yeah. I know you're a huge fan of the decelerators. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I, I actually heard that about the shoulder, about as, as going as fast as you can stop. Uh, um, I'm a big, uh, I like to read uh, Eric Cressy's blog. I don't know if you're, uh, if you're familiar with him. He's kind of like a, a northeastern uh, weight training guy, and, and that's one of the things he preaches is you get plenty of acceleration when on, on work when you're throwing, especially when you're doing your long talks and stuff, but where you lack in is your deceleration stuff, and that's where, you know, I've started incorporating some weighted balls where I do actually do some throwing, but I do non-release throwing. Well, I'll throw a weighted ball, but I won't even let go of it, and that I can actually feel it all in my scats and in my, my, the deep part of my rotator, it almost even feels like I throw certain days, especially when, when I do some of the, the more violent drills that I do. Okay, um, now 
you being a splitter guy, you know, you've I've seen you throw seventeen hundred different combinations of this thing. Being throwing for a strike, throwing for this. Let's let's go through the grips that you use, and and maybe take me through the thought process, because uh, I know some people do struggle with throwing off-speed pitches according to their fastball. Where you know I've heard some guys like you want to think fastball as long as you can. Um, personally, for me, if I think fastball as long as I can, I screw up the pitch that I'm thinking about. I mean, I'm not concentrating. Let's say if I am throwing a cutter, I want to think cutter, 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 cutter. Focus on what exactly I'm trying to do with the cutter. I don't want to be going fastball, 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 cutter. Like I, you know, it, that's just how my brain works with it. And so I wanted to bring up some different thought processes because, you know, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to throw to a baseball or throw a particular pitch. I definitely think there's certain things that have to happen in order for you to not get hurt. But I think that that's one of the biggest things. What what mentally goes on? And and I've got a I've got a couple a uh, couple guys that do throw some splits. One. I got one kid in particular that's going off to his freshman year of college that has the closest thing to the Jared Bowser split that I've seen, and he was very interested in wanting to know about you know the the different splitters that you throw, and I'll and I'll let you go from there. Okay, well shout out to that guy. Uh, first, but uh, my thought process on um, the splitter is if I want to get ahead, I'll I'll take a little bit off. I want everything to look like a fastball though. So I'll give him that look of the splitter. If it's OO and I'm getting ahead, uh, I'll give him a look of, uh, you know, taking a little bit off, letting him see it. And um, with that one, I'll just I'll just kind of float it in there. That's that's going to be the one, uh, the straight the straight grip. Okay. Do I have that right right there? That looks like the horseshoe is opening up away from the fingers, right there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Looks like we got the same one right about there. And the thumb and the fingers right up there, yeah, on the side. Okay, that's that's big. Okay, now go ahead. So with that one, I'm I'm trying to get ahead, so I'm I'm showing them I'm showing them wrist. Okay. And my wrist is just going straight into the catcher's glove with that with that nice snap with okay. the uh, the ball coming out, coming out here. Okay. So when and so when do you feel like you start your snap? Is it is it when maybe the ball is passing your ear, or do you try to do as late as possible, or is that something that you're trying to find in the bullpen before ahead of time and and figure out exactly when that started? Right. Well, that's what that's what you figure out in your bullpen, obviously. But um, that's that's something that's you're gonna have to listen to your body to, you know. Um, but for me, I like to get it out as late as possible, um, and. When I'm getting ahead, oh, oh, I like to to show them, you know, here, here it is, I've got it, you can see it, if you see it again, you might hit it hard. Yeah. Well, then, I'll go back, I'll go, I'll give them a sequence of pitches, and if I go back to it, it's always going to be a different, a different look. Gotcha. Uh, if I go back to it, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can, and if I go back to it, it's going to be, it's going to be this one. Okay, so this a little is bit the, different, yeah, a little bit different grip, not... Instead of the horseshoe facing me, okay, I'm gonna get up on top of of this this seam here, okay, uh, and get on on directly on the side of this of this uh, logo right here. Okay, okay, and that that helps me because with this one I want to pronate because this one I want to go down and into okay, so the. So you're trying to get over on the side of it. Now, when do you think about pronating that? Is that something that's early or um, try to go late? With that one, with that one, I'm throwing it as hard as I can. But in sh instead of showing the wrist, I'm going to show 
the thumb a little bit more. Okay, so you're already almost pre-pronated on it. And does it just naturally come out when you come in there? Is that what? It does feel natural because I'm on I'm on top of it, and I'm I'm pronating it over, so it's getting that that down and in, so I yeah, can yeah. You know, break a bat or make them look stupid. Okay. You know. And do you do you almost uh, throw that one for a strike and for a ball also? Can you control the throttle on that one? I like this one because I can I can let up a little bit, and if I when I let up it's gonna it's gonna flutter, so it's gonna start at their eyes look fat, and it's gonna look and it's gonna drop right into the zone. That's the one I get ahead with. Yeah. If I'm if I'm trying to K the guy, you know, my I'm I'm gonna be intense. I'm gonna grunt. I'm gonna throw it as hard as I can, <laughs> like a fastball, hopefully. And uh, when it comes out, it's just gonna come out real late. I'm pronated. And it, it gets that, that downward snap yeah. down and in. I've always been baffled, too, with yours, and you just mentioned it, is the height to which the ball comes out and the depth to which it falls always blows my mind every time. And I've never seen, you know, one of the big reasons I want to get on here is, you know, I can personally vouch. You threw more pitches that bounced that people took grown man hacks at than I've ever seen at anybody in my life. I mean, I felt like if I bounced a curveball, a guy might just, you know, a little bit lunge at it. But I saw people just take mammoth hacks and nowhere close. And it's hitting and it's hitting the top of the plate or, you know, and playing catch with you, I could see it. Thank God I didn't have to catch you but a couple times you trying to let it go. And, you know, just a fee abandoning the situation. But, you know, that's one of the things that, that, that me personally, you know, maybe I'll start playing around with splitter. I don't know. I've got enough pitches now. Is, but, you know, that, that always seems like that next level pitch that when college scouts or pro scouts hear that you throw a splitter and they see it's a good one. Um, I, you know, I think that there's this underworld of, of information that's not getting out there and people just say, you know, a split. But in reality, you've shown me two different grips. But you almost have three different thought processes for each one. You, you, you've got like a get me over, you've got me a fast one, and then you've got a fast one that's down. So it's, you know, and personally the way I would think is that that's, that's three different variations. And we're, in reality, we're at six variations of one pitch. I mean, one pitch of what you're trying to do, but two different grips and then go from there. Now, you've got one other version, right? And, and this is the one that always gets me every time I see it. I go ahead and. Take me through this last splitter that you got here. This one, this one, it, it's the same thing with the uh, with the horseshoe. I'm putting it, I'm getting it real deep, and I'm getting un my thumb underneath the ball. Okay. But this one, instead of showing him my wrist, I'm I'm just throwing it like a like a fastball. I'm almost getting on the side of it. So if I'm not on top, if I'm not on top, it's if I'm on top, it's going to tumble. I'm gonna go straight down. Yeah. But if I get on the side a little bit, just just relax my wrist from from here, release point to to here, yeah. right out in front, kind of showing them my my middle finger. Uh, yeah, where uh, your middle finger is ahead slightly. It's slightly ahead of your index finger there, almost almost as in okay, all right. It's almost it's almost coming coming across like a like a slider. Yeah. So release when I release my. Uh, my fingers are going this way, yeah. uh, right towards right towards my knee. Yeah. So, oh, and it's right towards my knee, down yeah. in the crack. So I think so, we call we called that before, um, and with your fastball too, the the seatbelt action. I believe that's what we call it, where you're trying to get your fingers, and you know, for people at home, your your wrist optimally works where your fingers 
and your wrist and your elbow are in line. Um, a lot of kids that maybe try to get on the side and cock their wrists are here. If you, if you do this with a baseball when you're gripping it, your wrist doesn't work as fast, so you actually will throw the ball slower. So if you can keep your wrist in line with the ball perfectly right there, it doesn't even matter about where your elbow is, but that's how optimally your, your hand will work. So, uh, and I call that probably close to a, to a one o'clock arm slot where I can get there. So what you're saying is actually getting into that point, having the hand, the finger a little, and then finishing through. Almost, I think we called it maybe a slider. We're making pitches up there, you know, uh, just oh. the, the slider splitter, splitter slider. Um, yeah. And I mean, just play and catch with you and seeing you throw that in the game. And from the side, when we're in the dugout, we would just sit there and joke. We'd be like, you know, uh, just like they would joke with me, cutter number six. You know, I'd be like, I was yeah. – that was uh, splitter number four, you know, and, and stuff like that. So, and a little variation. And you have, and how long have you been throwing the splitter, or at least these versions of it? You know, when did you, what's, what's the first one you start off with? Did you start off with just the basic one with the, with the horseshoe in right there, or opening up away? You know, my sixth grade math teacher, uh, I told you this before, but my sixth grade math teacher, we would come to school early just to play, just to play baseball in the, in the yard, you know. And uh, he would always throw me this, this fluttering pitch, and I would smash it because I had a natural uppercut, and it just ran into my back. But I was like, hey, wait, don't, don't tell anybody how to beat the splitter, right? Don't. <laughs> you gave the secret out to how, to how to beat a splitter. But, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You, you, you would just hit it secret, somehow. You would hit it, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But, uh, I was like, what is that you're throwing, you're throwing to me? Because he would only throw it to me because I was the only, the only guy that was coming up playing playing ball yeah and and i was like what what is that that's cool man I, that's that's cool you know it's a cool looking pitch and it fools it'll probably fool a lot of guys i didn't know that when i was you know 11 9 but um he was like yeah it's, it's a splitter and it was with a tennis ball so he started showing me showing me grips with the tennis ball um he was showing me uh split the split the horseshoe you know put the put the yeah. One seam right up in there. Yeah, yeah, that's the standard one. You see that one all the time. And that's the one. That's the one I really started with, um, with a tennis ball at such a young age, just to uh, see if my fingers would fit and see if I could, if I could actually throw it. And um, that was the one I, I really started with. But I was really finding my my release point at that time. I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being taught professionally or anything. So. Uh, it was just my natural arm slot, and I was kind of a, a three-quarters guy. I've always been pretty much a three-quarters guy. So my arm slot, it would come out, and it would it would tumble because I'm coming from such a, a, a low angle that it just wants to come. It wanted to come across. And that was, that was the first one that I started with, your favorite, the, yeah, the splider. The splider, yes, the splider. Maybe we'll get that put on a shirt and uh, see if people can figure out what the splider is. Yes. Only the advanced baseball player would understand. Well, that's awesome. That's a good little story. It's good to hear, you know, you were taught and then, and put on to someone yeah, that, that really helped you progress your game. So um, you started at an early age. Um, did you have any issues maybe through high school going to that throw in the splitter that may have caused you some problems where with that low arm slot? Now, are you saying that you were possibly elbow below the shoulder or elbow above, or, or maybe were you a long arm away guy? I was definitely a long arm guy because my 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 um, 
external rotation has always been good. I've always had a, a, a level elbow shoulder range. Um, it's just my my arm would get a little long instead of instead of coming here. I would be I would be coming coming like that, you know. Okay. So it would be it was across. Um, but as I got older, um, my mechanics weren't sound, so I was I was getting to where I was wanting to to come here before my my foot had landed. Yeah. You know, I want I want to be I want to be down and back by the time my foot has landed, so I have plenty of time for my for my arm to catch up. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, at that time, at that time, I was putting a lot, a lot of strain on my elbow, and I think it eventually led to some arm problems in college. But um, that was just a lack of knowledge on, on uh, mechanics and prevention, and you know, ice and bands and all that good stuff. You know what I mean? Exactly. Before the addiction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the addiction of the addiction of baseball will get you. It seems like the further the the more knowledge you get, the more you wish you had it earlier. And that's kind of the the point of this podcast. Hope we can get it out to some youngsters. And it, you know, uh, um, I I personally have heard and I've seen a lot of guys who do throw splitters that have ran into Tommy John issues. You fortunately didn't have to have Tommy John. Um, do you feel like it's a safe pitch to throw for a youngster if they follow these rules about you know? how to go about it, when to throw it, or do, do, can you give some guidelines of maybe limitations per outing or, you know, because I've seen, I've seen guy you know, I had a, a, a poor teammate that was in college that uh, blew his elbow out and he happened to be a little bit younger guy and threw a great split and, you know, didn't really have the control like you did, had decent tumble action. It was a good, he, he could never throw it for strike. It was always an out pitch. Um, but I felt like he would go out multiple games and I would just watch him throw like 12 or 15 in a row. You know, and that was our college coach calling it. And I'd always just be like, you know, and I felt like it was a ticking time bomb. And and you don't necessarily see um, people come up with, you know, which is what you were coming up with and talking about how to throw it correctly um, and where your elbow placement should be and when, when you should think about throwing it. And, and I just watched him splitter after splitter after splitter, and finally it was just the elbow went. And so – you know, can maybe let's say for you know a guy starting out, um, how many times a game would you recommend him throwing it? You know, uh, maybe let's say a high schooler, um, you know, trying to work on these mechanics and maybe start from from the off the you know out of the game regiment what you try to do and then into the uh, in game. Um, well, you know, you got to get a feel for it. It's not something. It's not. It's not a fastball. You know, you're. It's, it's not comfortable. A lot of guys. Put their fingers together to throw when they first start throwing the ball, you know. So it's not it's not a natural uh, grip on the ball, but once you can get that once you can get that feel, and I can I can spread my my fingers, you know, all all day. <laughs> yeah. Some some guys you know have small small fingers, small hands, and they just literally can't throw a splitter. Yeah. But my my advice would be to. Um, you know, just play catch with it. Don't don't try to don't try to throw it as hard as you can. That's. I think that's big. Maybe. I think that's a big thing right there. Yeah, it's a great piece of advice. And and uh, so if you're just saying um, play catch with it on the side to start with, maybe working into some flat ground stuff where you're just trying to just see what it can do and and then progress it naturally into the bullpen. 
Yeah, you know when you're when you're laying in bed and you got a tennis ball and you can you can throw it up up against the ceiling. You know that's that's the best time. Get a feel for it. Get that get that tumble action. Push it out with a tennis ball. Uh, get started and then you know maybe maybe play catch uh, with a tennis ball with a buddy. No glove. Just you know flipping it a little bit, getting a feel for it, and then slowly, slowly, slowly move move uh, to baseball. Progress your your distance between between throwing and always keep it keep it easy so you can feel that you don't have to squeeze it because it needs to come out of the top of your fingers you know it's, it's pushing it out so you don't have to you don't have to squeeze it and put a whole lot of pressure on it but um, once you do once you do get into the game and start throwing it throwing it hard uh, you you just want to know where your release point is by that time you want to have almost um, Almost perfected it before you even started it. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. So, so we're saying start off with maybe playing catch before you even get a guy down doing flat grounds. Move to flat ground and then move from flat ground maybe back to a flat ground almost a full distance. Get it into the bullpen, find it, and then from there maybe a side live session. And then once you've had there, so we're talking probably up to six weeks of of throwing, of really trying to master that pitch before you get into. So everybody at home, you know, um, Bowser's not saying come out there, you know, for a week and then go out there and throw it. He's saying go out there and learn the pitch, learn what it does. Um, if you can learn the splider, you know, work on all three of those, and that <laughs> that, that could be a little uh, something for the, for the advanced right there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's, that's good stuff. Okay, um, well, Jared, I... I you know, I, it was awesome to come in here and talk about this, the splitter and, and the mechanics, and I really appreciate it. I know, I know you've got a limited amount of time. Um, thanks for coming out, uh, you know, on the show. Um, you're still in New Mexico, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Santa still Fe. Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, Jared's out there doing lessons. Um, if anybody's interested, he's, he's a large human. He's always looking out for, for a uh, workout buddy, someone out there and challenge him. Um, big long toss guy too. Jared will definitely get you back on here so we can talk some more about uh, workout regiments and stuff. And and I and I got confirmation from the guy I was telling you about before about uh, the supplements and the workout stuff guy. So I'm excited about having him on. So we'll we'll put that out there. Uh, um, anything else? You got anything for anybody at home? No. Uh, if you're in the area, um, school of baseball here in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, they have all my information. Uh, if you're in the area, you want to hook up, you need a throwing partner. Just let me know. I got you. Awesome. Uh, I want to. I want to see if you can remember. There was a quote someone gave you the other day, and I was an awesome sign-off quote. Um, if you remember it, go ahead. It was. It was something pretty cool. Yeah, I heard it the other day. It was. Um, if your dreams don't scare you, then you're not dreaming big enough. Awesome. That's an outstanding way to end end the podcast. Jared, appreciate it. Um, uh, you know, if anybody has any questions, leave comments at the bottom of the video. You can email me. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, jcentos34. Uh, Bowser, are you on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or anything? Uh, jbowser10 on Instagram, Jared Bowser on Facebook. Hit me up, boys. All right, awesome, awesome. Appreciate it. Definitely good stuff. The man, Bowser's Castle. Oh, what was your walkout song? I wanted to throw that out there. What was the uh, – I remember it was one of the questions I was studying to ask you. Uh, it was Ready or Not by... Ready or Not.
by the Fujis. Fujis, ready, ready or not. That's a solid little walkout sound. Nice and, nice and calming. For you guys that don't know, Jared was not exactly the most calm person coming out of the bullpen. Uh, matter of fact, we had a, a good buddy of ours, Jerome Romero, that would verbally pre-workout Jared. Um, if anybody were into the side, you would think that these two were ready to go into uh, gladiator full mode Roman times battle. And uh, uh, it was scary. I mean, I felt like there was possible actual laser beams going between you two all the way to the line. And then when you go on the mound, you're a different animal. So that's awesome. We'll get into all that stuff later, too. But thanks, Jared. I appreciate it, buddy. All the way from Santa Fe. Thanks. And, uh, you know, talk to you soon. It's a pleasure, my man.